0: everyone. My name is Michelle and welcome to RomCom Weekly. Today I'm joined once again by my friend John and we're talking about the movie Notting Hill. Hello John.
1: Hey how's it going? Thanks for
0: joining me once again. I really appreciate it.
1: Of course I'm happy to do it again. I had fun last time so happy to do it again.
0: So a few things about this movie. It was released in May of 1999. It's directed by Roger Michelle, written by Richard Curtis, and it stars Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant. The IMDb.com summary is, The life of a simple bookshop owner changes when he meets the most famous film star in the world. It has a 7.1 on IMDb, and it made more than $364 million worldwide. And then it also had three Golden Globe nominations in 2000 for Best Picture, Comedy, or Musical, Best Actress for Julia Roberts, and Best Actor for Hugh Graham. All right, John, let's start with you. As usual, what would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10?
1: So I kind of struggled with the rating of this one also because I was thinking about what I gave Trainwreck and I was trying to weigh which one i actually thought was a better movie and obviously looking back you you kind of need to include like at the time was it a good movie for the time or was it just a good movie overall so i ended up giving it a 7.5
0: okay i'm giving this movie a 9.4 <laughs>
1: I had a feeling there was going to be a disparity just based on how excited you were to do this movie. And I was like, I wonder if Michelle is going to be annoyed by my score.
0: (laughs) I'm not annoyed. I appreciate your score. So here's the thing. I have spoken to friends and they've requested movies and for the life of me could not understand why no one was choosing Notting Hill. And then when you were like, I want to do Notting Hill. I was like, finally, someone wants to talk about one of the best rom-coms out there, in my opinion. So I'm very excited to dive into this. Yes, our scores are quite different, but I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about this movie. What did you give Trainwreck again? Do you happen to remember?
1: I gave it an eight.
0: Okay, okay. So So you like Trainwreck more.
1: (laughs) Yes, but my caveat is because... Trainwreck is more recent. I felt like the dialogue wasn't as cringy in parts as I found Notting Hill. But I will say, if you're telling me which one had, I mean, they're, they're sort of more sort of classic lines. I, I think Notting Hill does have some very sort of quotable, quintessential rom com lines. The distinction for me is Trainwreck leaned more into the comedy than the mm-hmm. romance than Notting Hill did, which is why I had a slight preference for train wreck versus Notting hill
0: fair enough that makes a lot of sense
1: but they're very close the point five is very close <laughs> to be fair
0: it is it is very close but I, I might challenge you on a few points here and there but okay, that's fine it is very close i i will give you that so what's your relationship with this movie and why did you choose this film to talk about
1: um, so this movie, I feel like was also one of the first non When Harry Met Sally rom-coms I watched. <laughs> so I, I think because of that, it, it does stick in my mind, like pretty, pretty significantly. It also, I distinctly remember when I watched this movie in the theater was one of the first times I left thinking, oh, I totally have a crush on that actress, which was Julia Roberts
0: mm So I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. And I mean, it goes without saying, and hopefully I won't be repeating myself too much throughout this podcast. This movie was a very formative rom-com for me. It came out when I was like in my baby teens. It, I think, helped inform a lot of the way I learned about celebrity and Hollywood. Obviously, Anna Scott, played by Julia Roberts, plays this larger-than-life celebrity. right? And just like things, small things here and there, I actually like took part into my own life like that Chagall painting that William Thacker who's Hugh Grant has in his flat yeah is a poster that I bought for myself because I was like oh if this is how they depict what love means then yeah I want this I want to just like absorb everything I can from this movie and there's this quote you know happiness isn't happiness without a violin playing goat so even just small life decisions I made were based on this movie I don't know. I don't think I'm embarrassed by that. I think I'm going to own that.
1: I don't think you should be embarrassed by that. I think that's a good... I mean, if you're, if that's something you're going to take away, having an appreciation of an art piece is not the worst thing to take away.
0: True. Thank you. Yeah, but there's just a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of quotable lines, and I find this movie highly, highly rewatchable. And I hadn't watched this movie in a long time. I think what I've been doing recently, ever since I started this, project is that if I haven't seen a rom-com in a while, I'm purposefully not watching it until I'm prepared to talk about it for the podcast. Right. This movie introduced me to, I think, this part of London, which is Notting Hill, which I've never, I don't think I've ever been to. But next time I go to London, whenever we're able to travel to Europe again, is I want to go on a walking tour of the movie. You know how like Sex and the City has like guided tours? Yeah. I think Notting Hill has one of those things. So... I look forward to signing up for one of
1: them. (laughs) You're going to be like, where's the blue door? I must see the blue door.
0: Of course, the blue door is iconic. There's just so many iconic things about this movie. All right, let's start with you. What did you like about this movie?
1: I kind of enjoyed the, to me, it's kind of like an updated fairy tale in a way, just because Mm. it's sort of the everyday man being able to fall in love and actually get into a relationship with this big star actress. So instead of sort of like a princess, it's actually the modern equivalent, which is a big star actress. So I did enjoy that. I enjoyed Julia Roberts' performance in it as well. Um, Obviously, she's a great actress. This is before she had won her Oscar for Erin Brockovich, so it was before she'd sort of gone into that level. But I always thought she was a good actress. Uh, Yeah, especially in this movie, I thought her performance was pretty good. Hugh Grant, you know, he plays the awkward British guy very, very well. And that's what he does a (laughs) lot. And he's very good at it. And he does it again in this movie. Mm -hmm. So that works too. But yeah, those were kind of the the main things that I, I enjoyed the most.
0: Agree with you. I like the way that you put it that it's an updated fairy tale. I think like this movie to me is the epitome of a feel good movie. It's just really sweet. William's love for Anna is so tender and I think like it's so genuinely romantic. Yes. The storyline feels realistic in a way. Like this whole I was story. Say, we will get into that later,
1: but <laughs> yes.
0: We'll just let that slide for right now. <laughs> sure. Okay. But the concept of an every or, you know, an everyday ordinary man meeting the biggest star and then like how would that love story be told right and I I think this is something that I would imagine it to kind of turn out to be where it's kind of this battle between normalcy and fame and I mean obviously there would be a lot more other challenges as well but I think this movie paints quite an idealized version of that right to your point Julia Roberts I think she shines in this movie I think this is my favorite movie that she's in
1: okay
0: Hugh Grant yes He plays the endearing, fumbly British guy. And so one note is that in 94, which is when Four Weddings and a Funeral came out, in my research, I found that the writer and director thought that this movie might be too similar to Four Weddings because it's also about Hugh Grant falling in love with an American. But I think this shines brighter than Four Weddings and a Funeral, maybe because of Julie Roberts. I don't know. But there you go.
1: No, I mean, I think I agree with that point. It is very, very similar because Four Weddings and a Funeral is another movie that my sister made me watch obsessively with her. <laughs> so the the parallels are very, very clear. So you can definitely tell it's made by the same people. Mm-hmm. And then the roles are are very, very similar. So I can understand their concern there. But I think to your point, it is very true that I think the, the main differentiator there is, is Julia Roberts versus Andy McDowell.
0: Yeah.
1: No offense, to Andy McDowell, she's a fine actress in her own right, but Julia Roberts is a better actress.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, agree. That's a fair statement. And then, you know, there's just little gems here and there that I really like about the movie. The general quaintness of Notting Hill, William's friends just seem like actual friends. I like the dynamic of them.
1: Yeah, they're very real.
0: Yeah, yeah. Other things, like, specifically, the silly bookshop customer who does not understand the fact that (laughs) this is a travel bookshop. I just, like, it was such a nice balance of the rom and the com part for me, because Uh there weren't any specific parts where I just laughed one time. I feel like I was chuckling and laughing throughout the movie, which, for me, is a good sign of a rom-com. That's not necessarily true for a lot of other movies of the same genre,
1: no, I mean, I think that is a fair point. There are, there are definitely more sort of laughs sprinkled throughout than than most rom coms. So I do appreciate that fact as well. I don't want to belabor the the point of things I like. Let's just let's
0: move on, and then we can get into other things more. Um, sounds like you have some things to add about what you don't like about the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so obviously, hindsight is. Very different. I think at the time when I watched this movie, the dialogue didn't bother me that much. But rewatching it yesterday, I was like, oh, wow. There are some really, really cringy moments in this movie. Mm. Basically... The entire initial encounter with Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts, obviously there has to be awkwardness there. I concede that. But it's so, so awkward that I found myself cringing the entire time and not in a sort of like, oh, this is like a cute thing. This is all just like, oh, wow. Do you mean like William
0: was just like talking too much?
1: Yes, he was talking too much. But it was also the things he was saying. Like, I understand they have to establish his character- as a very awkward sort of small town kind of guy. And I get that, totally get it. But it was, oh, it was, (laughs) (laughs) it was a little bit much. Uh, I mean, all rom-coms have awkwardness. Also, will concede that. So I have to sort of accept that there's going to be awkwardness, but there's varying levels of cringiness that happen that make it difficult to to get past the awkwardness. And obviously, you know, it it has a lot of sort of typical 90s, like rom-com cheesiness to it you know like that entire scene when he's offering her the snacks and he's talking about like you know the apricots <laughs> and honey it's like you're really really beating <laughs> a dead horse here I will say it does set up her line immediately after being like oh well I thought the low point was actually the yeah. apricots and the honey which is fine which I get that too but it was I think it should have just like that sequence should just started maybe like apricots should have been like the second thing and then just like that was it and then but he just like kept going and it was like okay this is taking too long now <laughs>
0: Yeah that's, that's a good point. I think I don't think I was cringing in these moments that you're you're mentioning now, but I looking back it is it's very like setting up William's character. Right. Hugh Grant like I don't know if this is who he is in person, but I feel like a lot of the characters he plays are never like this overly macho kind of guy. And right. so he's very approachable and maybe like this is why I find him to be more endearing also it's that it's nice to see a man who's a little bit not overly confident and super self-assured right it's like yeah he wants to gain her approval by being overly accommodating what do you want to drink and he like lists off five different beverage options and then like literally opens the fridge and is offering her everything he has in there so yeah it's these weird moments but it's also oddly sweet and I I recognize that it's obviously strange too, from the lens of like rewatching this now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think using the lens of like looking back, I think sort of makes it harder to maybe appreciate that sort of, you know, that awkward, embarrassing nature that he has. But I I think it, you know, you're right. It is, it is part of his character. They have to establish it. He's very good at doing it. And that's kind of his thing, which is a whole nother conversation, which we can maybe talk about later. Sure. Uh, But that was the only part that I think, kind of held things up a little bit for me and sort of made it harder to uh, to appreciate some of the more comedic mo- moments, though I will admit that the comedic moments are sort of more set up by that awkwardness. So you do need to have them. Mm. I just question the degree of which they need to happen or the frequency of them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Is this a movie that you've seen a lot?
1: I've seen it, I think, including yesterday, three times. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes.
0: This is like one of my most rewatched
1: rom-coms, so... (laughs) Wait, so are you saying, oh, wow, because you're surprised by how little I've watched it? Or, oh, wow, because that's more than you thought I had?
0: Um, I thought that you would have seen it more than three times. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why I had that assumption or expectation. But, uh, yeah, so coming from my perspective in the sense that I've seen this movie many, many, many times... I mean, it goes without saying, but I think I'm more forgiving in certain plot holes and things I don't like about it. And I think once you've seen something so many times, it becomes second nature. Like I was watching the movie yesterday and Frank walked in the room and I was literally reciting the movie as it was playing out.
1: (laughs) I had a feeling this was going to be one of those (laughs) movies for you. And I was like, oh, I wonder if she's not going to be happy with my points about it then. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I love we get to have a conversation about it. Right, but that's kind of like where I'm coming from is that this is like, I I honestly can't remember. I must have like rented it from Blockbuster. I don't know. Maybe I owned the VHS at some point, and maybe I definitely had the DVD. But okay, yeah, it's definitely something that's been highly rewatched in my in my past. So. It's something to be said that if it's been committed to memory, I'm not thinking as critically about it. So that's why watching this yesterday was kind of an interesting take on it, too. It's like, oh, how am I going to pick this movie apart? So I came to this question of, what don't you like about the movie? John, I literally wrote, honestly, not much.
1: And I have no other (laughs) points. I was going to say, so you're about to tell me you think it's perfect and there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. I mean, there are, there are plot hole points, but we will we will discuss that later. But yes. it's fine because you know me, I'm going to be nitpicky about the plot hole points. I appreciate <laughs> it. No, I
0: love it. I love those are my favorite my, my favorite category. But what else didn't you like
1: about the movie? <sighs> I do feel bad for Hugh Grant's character, like, without sort of stepping on the toes of, like, other categories we're going to cover later, but I completely understood, like, when she confesses her love to him, like, he doesn't explain it as well as I would have hoped he would, because I feel like his reasons for it were actually deeper than what he said. Mm -hmm. But I think what I didn't like about the movie was it sort of felt like her treatment of him was like, he's kind of the fallback guy in a way. Like, it's obvious that she likes him because, you know, he's normal and because she he doesn't treat her, you know, sort of as like this big Hollywood star. He's just sort of, you know, flustered around her because he genuinely likes her and he genuinely finds Mm -hmm. her beautiful. And that's great. But to me, like she, in a way, kind of takes advantage of that in certain in some points, not mm. like entirely, but there are certain points because I thought that whole sequence, you know, that whole sequence when he when he like walks in and like, oh, the boyfriend's there. It's like, why didn't she just tell the boyfriend who she didn't even think was her boyfriend anymore to just go then? So you're, like, oh, I'll just send you away and then not even call you afterwards or like the next day to explain like what happened. Like he literally knew nothing about. Mm -hmm. what happened and it was just and then months passed by which is like I get she's a big movie star she's busy and she can't call right away but it's like I think they said it was like a six month period it's like wow Mm. if you actually liked this person enough that you know you felt bad about the entire thing and you said you were thinking about it where was the phone call where was the letter Mm -hmm. like where was anything to explain what happened if you genuinely liked him it was a little unfair to him, and then, like, I get he was in love with her, so he was willing to forgive a lot. But, you know, there was definitely an element of like, oh, she's a big star, so you're going to forgive it. But if a regular person did that to me, I would not be as nice about it as he was.
0: Mm. Okay, that's a really good point. I do, like, yes, one of the categories is, are these characters likable or relatable, right? I, I don't know if that's what you were, you were thinking of. Yeah. I mean, we can hash it out now. That's fine. I will upfront and totally say, Anna, the way you painted her just now, she's very unlikable. Yeah, And what are the redeeming qualities that she has that William likes about her, right? So the the story of this love story yeah. is mostly told through William's perspective. Right. So we don't get to totally see Anna's side and what she, I guess, not brings to the table. There are certain things I wish that the story kind of told more about what does he see in her exactly? Like, what are the characteristics that he likes about her? And yeah. we realize that he doesn't like this foul temper of hers which yes she has a terrible temper yes <laughs> and yeah, I agree with you. It's very easily excused. And yeah, why doesn't Anna call William if
1: she was so in love
0: with him? And I think these are all really good points, Sean, And I don't have any other.
1: Hey, I'm not trying to like poke holes in your love for the movie. <laughs> there are plenty of likable things. I was just, you know, since we're covering what I don't like, I didn't like how she treated. I think she did he great dirty. That's all. Mm. Will's character, for the most part, is likable you know, there are sort of some self-sabotaging aspects to his personality, which I think manifest themselves here and there. But I think his perspective and his reaction to things like he has amazing patience, because as I said, Mm -hmm. given those incidents that happened, I think I I don't know if I would have had been as patient (laughs) as, as he was. I guess back to your question about uh, you know, what he sees in her. I mean, I think that is also sort of an, an interesting thing because I think it's clear that he doesn't like her because of the celebrity, but I think his actions sort of say that he is willing to put up with certain things because he knows that she's a celebrity. You know, it is interesting there because I, I think we don't actually see like why they work together until she's, you know, she's hiding at his at his place and they start interacting and talking and they're like, oh, okay, now I understand why this, you know, why this is happening. Mm-hmm. But I think if that part had come earlier, then you'd be understand like, oh, this is why he's, you know, so patient with her and so willing to absorb like all these like wrongdoings, and then also just like sort of keeps with it and is stuck on her. But I mean, I guess, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. So sometimes it just turns a blind eye to the obvious things from an objective observer. So I think there is also that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we can chalk it up to that. It's the heart wants what the heart wants, which is not easily explainable, right? It's highly illogical in many ways. But this whole idea of a lot of things that you just said, like the different perspectives, right? Even Anna mentions it, like our perspectives are very different. Like she's lived this life of celebrity for a decade and William doesn't. Yeah. It also, for me, kind of marries well this whole idea of opposites and how there are such different temperaments and how that actually is a recipe for success in many relationships, Anna is the maybe perhaps type A person who maybe wants to always be in control, even though that I don't think this is how the movie depicts her. But she has power, right? She has a lot of
1: power, for sure. (laughs) She's a lot of
0: power, right? And then William, being a little bit more accommodating, to your point, he kind of forgives her because she lives this huge life. And maybe he can acknowledge that You know, at the end, that iconic bookshop scene where he's like, you live in Beverly Hills and I live in Notting Hill. Like, how can this relationship even work? So, I mean, yeah, the heart wants what the heart wants.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, this sort of covers, I guess, like the, the general theme thing as well. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, I think you also mentioned it too. It's like the first sort of peek into the Hollywood life. And I think there is a lot to that life and sort of the circumstances of it and just sort of the day to day of it and how it's very different. Like her every move is more examined and her tragedy happened to her, or like mistakes happen. They're sort of magnified a thousand times. Whereas like if he does something wrong, it's like nobody knows about it, which is why like I also found that scene. Where like the paparazzi are outside his house because they know that she's there and she's like blowing up and he's like it'll all blow over in like a couple days like in the Mm -hmm. grand scheme of things it's very little but like it's because he's never dealt with that before he doesn't understand the sort of magnitude of it and that's why she's freaking out so much but she also had a temper so (laughs) there was also that.
0: (laughs) Yeah she had good points but maybe not executed in the best way possible. Right yeah. So general theme, the, the biggest theme that I took away was just ho- this whole concept of fame and the struggles that it brings into everyday life. I'd be lying if I said I've never thought about this before for myself. Like, I fantasize, like, what would life be like if I was married to a rock, not a rock star, but like married to someone famous?
1: You are married to a rock star. His name is Frank. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but no, Frank is not a rock star. And disclaimer, I would not want to be married to a rock star. Right. But... Yeah, I have fantasized about this. How does a relationship with someone who works like maybe like an office job, how does that work well with someone who everyone in the world knows who this person is? Yeah. I have fantasized a lot about it because I just, I'm so interested by this whole concept of like, your lives are just completely different. Just like going to get a cup of coffee is two different experiences for each person. Right. So I, I don't think I would be a strong enough person to be married to someone who is world famous. Yeah. I think I would constantly feel a little bit insecure, like people throwing themselves at my partner or like my partner being pulled a million different ways. It's just like, no, sometimes it's got to be about me, too, you know? Yeah. So I think this is also the fascination of this movie, too. It's like, oh, how does this work? And clearly this movie ends up in a very nice bow. Right. But it's still it's a fun fantasy to think about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that is also part of the allure of the film It's like, I mean, who hasn't thought about like, oh, I would love to be with, you know, this actress because, you know, I'm in love with her and she'd be great. And I wonder what it would be like if we actually ran into each other and like having all the like, you know, the circumstances line up exactly as they need to in order for it to make it happen. So I think that is also one of those things, too, because I think, you know, who hasn't had that fantasy? Right. It's a very relatable theme.
0: Yeah. Did you pick up any other themes?
1: No, I think those were the were the big ones for me.
0: Yeah. Question for you. Yes. I would love to hear like maybe one or two stories or anecdotes that you have of you meeting a celebrity. Because we, you know, bringing it to this movie, William is quite cool when Anna walks into the bookshop. Yes. Like he immediately recognizes her. You can either play it, I guess, in my mind, one or two ways. You could just be like super cool about it or just super fan out and geek out. Yes. So I I have one or two stories to tell and I would love to swap a few with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I live in LA. So it happens just because it's LA. <laughs> but yeah, I think for the most part, I've played it very cool, because I'm just trying to treat them, you know, like a person. I mean, the the detriment of that is there have been instances where I was hoping to get a picture or something like that. And because I was trying to play it so cool, I felt bad about asking and I was just trying not to fan <laughs> out because, you know, for the most part, you know, celebrities don't usually want people to freak out too much around them, obviously, just because who wants obviously. that? But there is sort of like that fine line of like, I'm a fan, though. And so I still would love to get a picture with you. But at the same time, I also want to be like, yeah, one of your dudes and just, you know, we're, we're cool. Yeah. Be friends with them. Right. Be friends with them. I mean, I think when I was working at Keep and I was manning the store one day, like Ellen Page came in Ooh. and I was like, oh, obviously I knew her, but I kept it cool. But I was like, oh, I need to tell my boss that she's here. So I can make sure that it's cool if I give her shoes for free. Cause that's, you know, what you do when celebrities come into your store. Um, so I quickly called her from the back and then I came up to her and I was like, Oh, you know, obviously like we're fans. And so whatever you want, like just, just let us know. And you know, it was cool. And I did eventually ask her for a picture for the sake of the, of the brand, but I didn't get a picture. with her <laughs> uh, Because I was just like, I don't want to ask for another picture. That's too much, but she was very nice and it was super chill. Nice. And she was, you know, yeah, she was very nice. It was great.
0: That's a cool one. I will say, though, since you were on the clock, I think that's a very different reaction. Like, if it was just, like, out in the wild versus you being at work, I think, yeah,
1: two different scenarios, for sure. Out in the wild, I'm also afraid to approach people because I also just want to let them have their space. Mm -hmm. Because, like, there was another time where I was was hiking near Santa Monica, and I saw Rivers Cuomo from Weezer on the trail, and we literally passed by each other. And I was like, he's by himself, and he looks like in his own element and like I don't know if he's like thinking about like writing a song or something and I don't want to be that dude being like hey <laughs> I want to interrupt your whole thought process and get a picture with you and fan out so I just tweeted about it saying how I wanted to leave him alone and he actually liked my tweet because he saw because <laughs> I was like I felt bad I didn't want to like interrupt the creation of the next great Weezer song <laughs> was he alone yeah he was alone that was the other reason okay. too because got it like in a way it's good when they're alone because then you're not interrupting conversation but at the same time it's like oh they're alone. I wonder if that's for a reason. And so you don't Mm -hmm. want to barge in and just sort of interrupt their whole process.
0: (laughs) No, totally. You're better than I am in in that sense. You're, You're able to recognize in the moment, like, oh, I don't want to intrude. I used to work in PR. So I used to work with celebrities. Yeah. Not with them so closely. You know, I was quite junior at the time. So it wasn't like I wasn't calling the shots. But at one point we did work with like Kim Kardashian. But, you know, it, that's why I say like when you're at work, it's a different kind of mentality. For sure. Yeah. But for me out in the wild and I've always had this image of myself being quite cool and collected, but turns out I am not when it comes to <laughs> meeting a say, celebrity. I don't imagine
1: you become collected. <laughs>
0: I have two anecdotes that I would love to share with you yes, and please. apparently now now the world. So, so I live in New York, which we we do see celebrities every once in a while, but both these stories I'm about to tell you are actually not in the city.
1: Oh, okay. Once was in the Hamptons. <laughs> already getting very Hollywood. I think I know which story you're going to tell, but okay, keep going. (laughs) Have I told you the story? No, I think I saw you post about it. That's why. Is it the Jimmy Fallon one? It's
0: the Jimmy Fallon (laughs) (laughs) one, yes. So I was in the Hamptons with some girlfriends. We were celebrating a bachelorette party, but it just so happens that the bride was not with us. Uh Me and a group of girlfriends, we we took like a day or half a day off before the bride was able to take a day off. So we went to a winery and... We're sitting there and in my line of sight, I see Jimmy Fallon, his wife, Nancy, and Andy Cohen of Bravo fame, Yeah, just like plop down, sit down in a seat, like decently far, but I can also recognize that it's clearly them. Uh-huh. And I immediately freeze. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, Jimmy Fallon is here. And then we proceed to spend the next 45 minutes, no joke, being like, wait, so how can we approach him? What should we say? What should we do? And we're like planning this whole thing out. So ridiculous, but it turns out like we actually we had to go. We like we had a group of girlfriends waiting for us. We're like, oh you know, the moment's passed. We have to. We we can't say hi anymore. We just have to go. We spent too much time thinking about it, (laughs) and so we pay and we get up to leave. And it just so happens we see Jimmy pay and get up to leave, and I was like, oh, we gotta hustle. Yeah. So we go to the. (laughs) They walk out first. And then we follow. But like, you know, a decent few steps behind.
1: (laughs) Was it actually a few steps behind? Because I'm imagining them doing it and they're just like (laughs) mad dash to the door to be like, we have to catch up with them.
0: Well, the whole point of us not wanting to call him out in front of everybody was that I felt bad that if we approached him, then everybody else would start approaching right. him, right? So you we're being considerate. Right. And we were at a winery, so it's kind of like a classy place in the right. Hamptons. You, you, you want to pretend that you've been there before, you know? Right. So we're walking, they're walking, and then me and my girlfriends were just like, what do we do? What do we do? And finally, I was just like, hey, Jimmy. And he turned around, and he was like, hey, guys. And he was so delightful. He was so sweet. And Andy Cohen was like, hey, I'll take your picture. And then... My friend who loves Andy Cohen was like, no, we want you to be in the picture too. So the picture <laughs> that you probably saw that I posted was Andy actually has the phone and he's the one taking the, uh, the photo.
1: I appreciate that, though, that he's willing to be like, I understand these people want a picture and I'm going to put my celebrity <laughs> status or like, you know, aside or ego aside and be the one to take the picture. I have a lot of respect for that.
0: Yeah, that was really cool. But I I selfishly was like, sure, here, take the phone. But because I'm not an Andy Cohen fan. <laughs>
1: celebrities they just want to be treated like everybody else yeah. <laughs> but it, it
0: was quite a high to kick off the bachelorette party and then we we got to the house and the bride was like what i missed it and oh we were like, man yeah, that sucks it's, the,
1: it's her party <laughs> and she missed like the <laughs> biggest part <laughs> it was all downhill from there i'm kidding i mean there is it's kind of hard to top that though to be honest it like, was great it was great I feel like Jimmy Fallon seems like the type of person, though, who would be good for that. Because he seems like he seems like a nice oh dude gosh. where he would handle that well.
0: He was really, really sweet. And this was the moment I think he was on hiatus because he had just injured his finger. Oh, like, yeah. That nasty see.
1: finger injury. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> in the picture, you'll see like his hand is all bandaged up. So I think he was like taking some R&R from that accident. <laughs> um, and not to make this a podcast about celebrity encounters, but I do want to share one more. Of course. This happens to be in Philly. I was in a donut shop with Frank and a friend and in walks James McAvoy. And That's a good one. My friend and Frank like didn't see him walk in, but I immediately froze. And my friend was like, Who? Who did you see? And I was like, James McAvoy is here, guys. And they were like, <laughs> Frank's like, Who's that?
1: And I'm of like, Of course, it's Frank her- was like, who is that? <laughs> I was like, Frank had no idea who he was, did he? <laughs>
0: I think he figured it. Out. I was like, "Oh, Professor X," you know, like from X Men, <laughs> the the new one. But yeah, I proceeded to also just spend like the next thirty minutes just like being like, "What should I? Should I do something? Should I say something?" He was sitting like close to like the water f- not a water fountain, but like you know, a jug of water. So I was just like, I was going back and forth, being like, "Oh, you know, Michelle," like I was just so not cool. <laughs> and he was with his girlfriend. Meanwhile, my friend and Frank were like, "All right, well." we're done eating so like can we leave
1: (laughs) so So they weren't interested I mean Frank I understand wouldn't be interested but your friend wasn't interested at all either no I think my friend was interested but not enough to like approach James McAvoy you know he was
0: just like oh cool celebrity sighting all right let's move on but I clearly like fangirled out and so Frank and friend walk out and I'm like Michelle just just do it so I walk up to him (laughs) and uh, so awkward I like tap him on the shoulder I'm like hi I'm just I'm so sorry I'm just I wanted to say I'm such a big fan I love your work and he was so sweet too he was like oh it's so nice to meet you my name is James we shook hands I was like I just think that's funny when celebrities introduce themselves because clearly I know I know who you are. Right. I think it's for them to get to know your name. Right. And I was so rude, I like totally ignored his girlfriend. And then I was like, oh hi, sorry. Um uh you know, I was just like fumbling and he was like, What did you order? I was like, Oh, I got some donuts. He's like, Oh, next time you gotta get the fried chicken sandwich. And I was like, definitely, but I'm not from Philly. And like I <laughs> it was just so not cool. <laughs> But he was very sweet. Like, he totally facilitated the conversation. And again, we walked, I walked out, my friend was like, are you happy? I was like, oh my gosh, yes, that was amazing. Yeah, that was just like the highlight of my weekend in Philly.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously. But I always think, I think the name thing is a very important part. The, The times I have freaked out about people, I have completely forgot my name. And I've not introduced myself at all. I just immediately cut to the, I'm a fan of yours. Like, da 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 da. yeah, it's easy to forget the name thing.
0: It's it is weird, right? Like human interaction, normal human, like the way you know <laughs> yeah, how exactly, to interact yeah. just goes out the window. Yeah. Like, so I identify with William in a way in the sense that he's just like fumbling over his words and just like doesn't really know what version of himself to be because right. I feel like I've been in those moments. And right. it's like, I'm not this fangirl. Like, I don't think I am. I consider myself to be quite even keeled and even tempered as someone who's also worked with celebrities in the past, but seeing them in the real world is just a totally different uh, experience. Yeah. And this animal side of you kind of just comes out you're like, oh, they, what are they doing here? They like these donuts? Then I must be cool by association <laughs> or,
1: obviously, you know,
0: it's just such a bizarre, like your mind just goes blank. Yes, while Jimmy Fallon and James McAvoy are really great people, like, they're actors, or, you know, like, they're not, like, changing the world, you know, like, they're just people that we see in movies from time to time, or, you know, I guess, Jimmy, you see him every night on The Tonight Show. But like, yeah, it's just this thing where I don't know why I turn into this totally different person.
1: I mean, I think it's also just the nature of celebrity, too. I mean, So thinking about this does make me think a little bit more about his first initial reaction, because I think Will's reaction is understandable. I just think Mm -hmm. that maybe it should have been a little less of the awkwardness, that's all. Because I think there should be awkwardness, and there should be nervousness, because that's natural. But I think it was just the amount of it that I disliked. (laughs) Fair. But that's also because based off of my experience, I'm like, you also need to be able to sort of keep as much of an even keel as you can, you know, Mm -hmm. at least try to. But I guess that was his version of trying to. Yeah,
0: I think that was his version. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's move on to favorite scene.
1: Yes. So my pick, I feel like it's kind of a random one. I don't know if it's not a random one. It's not the one that you would assume, but I actually enjoyed the battle for the brownie. Mm. So when they're all sitting around and talking about how miserable, you know, their life is, and that's why they deserve the brownie. And then Anna has the audacity to be like, I'm the big movie star. I'll try anyway. (laughs) And then she like says everything. And and there are certain points where you're like, okay, you know, obviously there is a ton of extra pressure as being a celebrity. But you're still a celebrity and you're still world famous and all that. Which is why I was glad at the end. They're like, yeah, nice try. No, you're not getting the brownie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I, I enjoyed the sort of like keeping it real and I enjoyed the fact that she also allowed herself to be like part of it and didn't just sort of assume like oh they're not gonna let me go she actually was like I'm gonna try and and like Mm -hmm. point out all the difficulties and I guess all the things you wouldn't necessarily consider the the difficulties or the challenges that you would think about a celebrity having I feel like those struggles are a little bit more known now just with like social media and and, you know everything being what it is but Mm -hmm. um, I think at the time like that was a nice sort of uh Glance into what her life is like, and so it was nice to sort of have that that insight. So I, I enjoyed that scene. So I'm gonna surprise you. Oh my! This is actually my favorite scene as well. What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's the collective of this whole birthday dinner, um, starting from when Anna and William walk in, and Max, who is a terrible cook, he just like opens the door, doesn't even acknowledge, and then Anna <laughs> walks in and she introduces herself to Belle. And Belle's like, oh my gosh, you look just like Anna. And Anna's like, hi, I'm Anna. And it's this whole moment of like William's friends recognizing who Anna is and then also like Honey walking in. Yeah. Being like, oh, holy fuck. Like that that line. Like I would be Honey for sure in this moment. And Bernie, who is Earl of Grantham from Downton Abbey. I don't know if you watched Downton Abbey.
1: I know who he is. I don't watch it, but I know who he is.
0: But Bernie just also having no clue that he's talking to Anna Scott and then asking her how much oh, money she that, makes. Oh, that,
1: that was so funny, that <laughs> entire thing. <laughs>
0: And then, yeah, but the actual Brownie moment, I think all that kind of leads up to this great moment where, like, like I mentioned, one of the reasons why I like this movie is just the dynamic between Williams friends. They just seem like really good people for each other yeah we 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 get to see everyone's vulnerabilities, everyone literally we see everyone share their story of why they deserve the brownie, and it kind of proves to me that like the older I get, it's like, yeah, we all have a lot of deep rooted issues, a lot of insecurities. Um, But everyone gets to be vulnerable in this moment, including Anna, especially. Right. Right. And yeah, like I said, I learned a little bit more about celebrity from this movie and it kind of puts a lot of things into perspective. And I also think this is the moment that Anna starts falling for William a little bit more. Yeah. You know, she's looking around the table and she's like, wow, these are like normal people. Yeah. I don't think it's explicit that Anna is craving normalcy, but I think she's like in this moment where it's like, wow. This is nice these are real people yeah yeah and these are like real emotions and feelings
1: yeah i mean i think that was the same sense that i got as well you know to julia roberts credit like the ability to like convey that emotion like with her eyes also because mm-hmm. a lot of it was her just sort of looking around and you can tell she was absorbing everything in and sort of like gathering it and just sort of appreciating the normalcy of it you know to your point you're i think you're right that she does want to sort of have that escape from the hollywood life because i don't think you know, she she makes references to it later, especially at the end where, you know, fame isn't what people think it is. And I think that's also sort of, you know, part of the theme of, like, the, you know, Hollywood life. But, it, you know, fame isn't what everyone thinks it is. And so I think that's why she's kind of glad to have that escape. And it's nice that these mm-hmm. people are treating her like an actual person and not just like some big star. And so I think she appreciates that a lot.
0: Yeah. And then cut to, like, when William and Anna leave the Oh, the big, like, apartment. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All the friends just like flip out and scream and then William's line is just so cute he's like they always do that when I leave I yeah. hate it like <laughs> and then also just like moments later Anna changing her mind being like I'm not leaving London anymore like she wants to stay and like I guess explore things with William a little bit more so yeah, yeah that that's a really nice scene where I think we get to like feel things a little bit more
1: I, I guess I could have expected maybe that you would pick this scene, but I thought your favorite scene was going to be the garden one, the run right after this. Mm. Because I thought like that sort of leaned into the, the very sort of rom-commy, you know, quintessential moment thing that I thought you would appreciate. Also with like the oopsie doopsie and all that. <laughs> <laughs> the whoopsie daisies. <laughs> yeah, whoopsie daisy. sorry.
0: <laughs> I did LOL at that moment. Like <laughs> that whole banter back and forth. And right, yeah, that's a really good scene, but it doesn't provide a lot of insight me. Okay. Into the characters. So I have two other moments that I like. Okay. But I will say the brownie scene is my favorite. The press junket with horse and hound. It's so cringy. Yes. It was like this weird line that I told like it was cringy, but I never felt uncomfortable. Like I wanted to leave the room that like William is just clearly out of his element has never seen the movie doesn't know what's happening doesn't know who any of <laughs> these people are interviewing a baby Misha Barton, by the way, I know. And then Finally, the iconic scene at the end. Yes. I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. Yes. I'm pretty sure in rewatches past that I've cried in this moment. You see Anna, she's putting her heart out. Right. And he's just rejected her. Yeah. But also when you put things very plainly sometimes like that, it really helps drive the point home. I think it's, we say a lot of things we don't really mean, but then once you say what you mean, it's like, oh shit yeah that's more digestible
1: yeah i guess not to jump ahead but that was my like very cliche rom-com moment where it's like the confession of love and just Mm -hmm. sort of like laying it all out there and then she's like bringing this gift and like just begging him to come back which is also i thought was interesting too because he would totally expect it to be the other way around where like i guess it kind of does flip later but him trying to convince her to come back but she is trying to convince him to you know to stay with her and to like, go on this journey with her. So I think, you know, that was a good scene, too. I enjoyed that. She delivers it very well. You know, even though I had seen the movie like a long, long time ago, um, I still remember that line. So it is a very memorable line.
0: Yeah, it's, in my opinion, the most iconic line or scene from from this movie. I mean, I don't think it needs to be expanded on. But yeah, that's a it's a good scene. But it's it's not my favorite. Yeah, surprisingly. Maybe if you asked me, like, 10 years ago, this might have been my favorite scene, but...
1: Because it doesn't have the immediate payoff, that's why it's not your favorite scene. If it was actually the payoff then, and then, like, he had actually accepted, then I think that would have been your favorite scene.
0: Totally. Such a good point. Can we dive into WTF moments?
1: Um, yes. We most definitely can. (laughs) though i will say the other sort of like point about that that i thought was just like very interesting was that like i found the the fact that she brought the actual painting to him Mm -hmm. was very very thoughtful
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so i will say like she gets points for that and it is sort of a nice callback to earlier and i I do enjoy a good callback but yes sorry continue on
0: no i agree with you that's how she's saying that with him like she will have maybe like safety, love and happiness just by the conversation that they had talking about the painting itself.
1: He's her violin playing goat.
0: (laughs) There you go. Which is why I bought the painting myself, you know, obviously (laughs) a replica. All right. So do you want to share a WTF moment?
1: Sure. Sure. I thought that first kiss was completely out of the blue. And I was like, why is this happening right now? Like, it's not a plot hole, plot hole. And it's not that messed up, I guess, for the time. But if you think about it, in present day terms, I guess, which, you know, is obviously sort of not necessarily the the lens you always want to use. But would you really go to some random stranger's house, even if it was right there to like clean yourself up? It's like, you have no (laughs) idea who this person is. And then on top of that... What, why are you kissing him? He he let you mm-hmm. use his bathroom to clean and clean yourself up. And, you know, he's nice to you. But just because he's nice to you and like you have this vibe, like that's where you go for the kiss. Right. That was a really weird time for the first kiss to happen. I feel like I just was like, this is not I, I don't know why this would happen. It was just it was not believable for me at all.
0: <laughs> agree with you. I do think the kiss is very out of left field. I don't really have anything to add to that because it's...
1: It's indefensible, that's why.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's just, she's so taken with him and his weird apricot story. Like, I don't know. But I will say my big WTF from this moment is like, there's no way the world's biggest actress would go to someone's flat yes and like be totally okay with changing there like yes. no that does not happen
1: there's no way yeah while this, this was happening i was like he's a creepy person you don't know any of these things like why wouldn't she have just assume that he had done it on purpose or something like that like it's just totally there are a lot of weird parts about it that i was like no i don't believe this mm-hmm. scene at all
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. i guess wait do you have any more thoughts on this before i move on to my next one no go ahead yeah so i kind of touched on it earlier but the boyfriend scene i thought was completely mm-hmm. outrageous because, again, I felt like she should have just kicked him out. He was so nice to to just sort of play it off as like him being the busboy and, and being room service. Because I would have just been like, uh, yeah, she invited me up. We're like, why are you here? Because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but I I mean, that's obviously not his personality, but that entire situation was weird. And then the way, you know, and then when he brings it up to her later, her follow up is like, oh, I thought it was done and I didn't think he was ever come back. And then he came back. I'm like, that is not an explanation. Like you either wanted to be in this relationship with him or you didn't. And the fact that you kicked Will out as opposed to Alec Baldwin's character, who plays the boyfriend. um, We never actually hear his name, do we? I don't actually know if we do. Um, His name is Jeff. Oh, his name is Jeff. Yeah. The fact that she didn't kick Jeff out and then let Will leave sort of tells you like what you need to know about that situation. And so I thought I was upset about that.
0: (laughs) Fair. That's a fair opinion to have. But yeah, let's just shout out Alec Baldwin. Random. So random. I appreciated this cameo. He's actually uncredited in this movie. Uh, Yeah, again, no defense.
1: (laughs) I feel so bad. I feel like I'm poking all these holes (laughs) in like your 9.4 out of 10 movie and I'm just trashing it. I'm not trying to trash it. I'm just like, you know, there are these things that bug me.
0: (laughs) My love for this movie will remain. Okay. I think you can continue to poke holes. Yeah. It's just like such a fiber of my youth and it's fine. You know, I realize this is so unrealistic, but it's fun to fantasize about. Right. My nitpick from this scene is very nitpicky william playing room service yes so in 99 i don't know how room service worked but in this day and age you call for room service and you ask for what you want and room service brings it to you yes in this scene room service is called he comes up and takes your order
1: yes there are many parts of that that were weird also it's like from the uniform and he even points out he's like oh they usually wear like a whole uniform it's like that yeah. should tell you right away yeah. he's clearly not room service totally yeah one glaring
0: WTF I have, it's highly, highly unrealistic is one of the final scenes is at this press conference. Anna's taking questions yes. and the press agents
1: <laughs> yes, calling on
0: journalists. and he just so happens to call on William.
1: When I was watching that scene, I was also thinking in my head, I was like, what if he hadn't called on William? Then Mm -hmm. the entire scene would have fallen apart.
0: Their love story might not have even happened, you know? So a lot of pressure weighs on this press agent calling out William, being like, what's your question? Yes. Highly improbable, but here we are
1: yeah i mean that is a surprisingly like good objective point on your part (laughs) given how much you love this movie (laughs) because that's your climax right there you're actually depicting the climax of the
0: movie i know i am i i feel like i'm aware enough to be like yes i can love something but it also doesn't necessarily need to make any real sense do you have any other wtf moments
1: i was really upset about spike Like Spike's character resumes himself at the end, played by by Reese Ilfans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, his character through most of it is not redeemable at all. And then I thought his whole handling of the situation with with Anna being like at their flat was messed up because he tells everybody at the pub. And obviously, like, I don't know what he thought was going to happen. People obviously were going to show up. And then on top of that, he adds to it by stepping outside in his underwear. It's like, really? You messed (laughs) up and you're going to do this too.
0: What an idiot Spike is. Yeah. Yeah, my, my follow-up to that is just like, what is this relationship between William and Spike then? How is William so quick to forgive Spike and then also for Spike to marry his sister? Fine, that plot can stand on its own, but I found myself wondering, how does this friendship play out after such a debacle happens, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Will is just too nice. He's just that nice. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he maybe in a way just like sort of takes pity on him and is sort of realizes like, oh, this guy would be totally lost without me so i will be his stabilizing force which i guess is kind of like his role for everybody yeah he's kind of that like martyr guy like once you hear the circumstances about how like he was in love with bella but then Mer- bella married his best friend who was max it's mm-hmm. like in most cases that would mean end of friendship or at least awkwardness mm-hmm. but he's still hanging around and it's still like all good it's like clearly he has a lot of patience for things
0: <laughs> yeah i wish they dove into that a little bit more it just happens so quick and yeah just like Wait,
1: what? (laughs) Yeah, that was like a very, very like quick surprise. I was like, wait a second, we're
0: not gonna talk about this. Like that is huge. I know. I never picked up on it when I was younger, but upon watching it more, you're like, Oh, he meant her. Like he was in love with her. Yeah. That would have been very interesting story to tell, I think, too.
1: Right. But obviously they're all good and still hang out and everything's fine. Yeah.
0: That's highly improbable in many ways as well.
1: Yeah. What are your thoughts on the ending? I actually liked the ending. You say that like you're surprised. No, because I think most people would expect me not to like the ending based off of the point that you made about the, uh, I think <laughs> I, I was originally going to bring up that point. I was like that ending almost didn't happen because of that very, very important point. Though, obviously mm-hmm. they could have done it in other ways where he sort of like screams out her name or whatever and then she sees him and then has like the press agent calling him or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there are other ways around it. But, you know, I, I liked the ending because, of course, you want to see the guy get with the girl and there's a whole like hullabaloo behind and it's great. And then I really appreciated that sort of epilogue flash forward of like their life together leading up until like the call back to the garden where they had their first kiss, or I guess not mm-hmm. really their first kiss, what should have been their first kiss right? <laughs> to the garden. They get a place and they're sitting on that bench. And it's like the callback to when she first sits down on that bench in the garden and tells him to sit with her. And now he is. Mm -hmm. So I appreciated that. I liked that sort of completion of the cycle. And it was a nice touch to let us know, like, how their life progressed after that moment.
0: Yeah. Uh, Agree with you. Everything you just said. I wrote in caps, yes. Wow. (laughs) Of course. Because it's, we're tied up in like a really nice build. The flash forward is everything I wanted it to be. We see William in Anna's world and while he, he's still his fumbly self, which was yeah. nice to see. They get married and yeah, and she's pregnant. Yeah, Flash forward to the the sitting on the bench scene. So yeah, yeah I just, I don't have anything else to add. It was just perfect.
1: Yeah, because I think I appreciated the fact they sort of, you know, like you said, tied everything up because I mean, I, I remember that was our criticism of Trainwreck where it just sort of seemed like it ended abruptly. If if they had ended it just on that press conference scene, I think it would have been weird, but I like the fact that they actually played mm-hmm. it forward after that, so you know exactly what happened. So that was nice.
0: Yeah, and I do think that in a world, in some world, that press conference scene could have been the ending. It
1: would have been a terrible um, ending. Though. Where,
0: yeah, where they're just like literally smiling at each other, like they're yeah. just basking in their glow i wrote down in one of my notes was like this scene is like what i imagined love to be like it's just this constant happy feeling uh you're just smiling at each other the music swells like slow-mo happens and like it's just obviously not real life but it's this moment where you're like oh my gosh they love each other yeah Yeah, you're right. Trainwreck. Yeah, that did end very abruptly, to your point. So yeah, I'm I'm really appreciative that this film does flash forward. And I'm trying to think if that's a trend that I like in movies, I'm gonna have to sit and think about that. But for sure, in this movie, it's definitely appreciated.
1: You mean whether or not you like the sort of epilogue flash forward? Yeah, I don't think I necessarily need it in a lot of cases. I think it depends on sort of like where the movie is at that point, like how things get resolved. But I think it's good to sort of have some sort of a little bit of a touch of like, oh, this is where we're going to start going, like in the future. Mm -hmm. Because I think when you just sort of end with them getting together, it's sort of a weird cliffhanger. So I do appreciate at least having some sort of resolution after they they get together.
0: Yeah. um, I wonder, like, do they put roots down in LA and Notting Hill? You know, what happens with the bookshop? I mean, there are other questions I have, which leads me to a point that i i don't remember which category i haven't written under but i i feel like this movie while it was tied up so well i feel like there could have been a sequel and i'm not a proponent of sequels for rom-coms i don't think (laughs) it's necessary yes but i feel like there's enough roadway for a sequel to have happened because anna is the biggest celebrity right and now they have a baby so i would have loved to see like how does this relationship progress What does this, what I imagine to be a continuous conflict in a relationship between a famous person and a not famous person? How do you raise your child? Right. Where do you live? You know, like, I want to see what the friends are up to. Yeah. But I'm just saying that there's more story to tell, which is not always the case for a lot of rom-coms, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, my belief would be they would probably keep that place inside that garden community or whatever in London because they want to sort of have that you know that seclusion and that sort of getaway for each other because it sounds like she wants to have ways to escape you know the hollywood life so i don't know if they would necessarily have a place in la though i guess if she's traveling for work but people have to film everywhere these days and they usually don't Mm -hmm. end up filming in la so i don't know how necessary that would be but you know there there is definitely some questions about how that relationship dynamic would progress because you know, she's obviously the breadwinner in the relationship, so... I mean, Will doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like the type where he has an ego that would bother him, but then, like, I mean, does that mean you know because she's so busy and he has to handle everything else like is there even time for him to maintain that store does he Mm -hmm. you know does she encourage him to pursue other things and like try to build up his own business or something like that or like yeah to your point about the baby like is he gonna end up just being a stay-at-home dad then like we don't know Mm -hmm. i don't know how interesting that would have been as a sequel though to Mm -hmm. be there (laughs) because there would have to be more conflict there would have to be more conflict because like to me like the other sort of things it's like well you know given how like the hollywood life is it would be interesting Interesting to see, I think, like how Will would adapt to it, because I think that would sort of be the biggest, one of the bigger obstacles of their life going forward, because by him being married to her, you Mm -hmm. know, he becomes part of that news cycle. It's actually interesting. I was looking up the, you know, IMDB and like the Wikipedia stuff on both of them, like Hugh Grant actually kind of did this, like he actually did have a child with, uh, with a quote-unquote normal person who was Chinese, mm-hmm. actually, in London. And then part of the reason why they broke up was because he, he, and obviously she did too, felt like the press was really, really mean to her and she couldn't handle mm-hmm. it and it was too much. And so they had to break up and that's why he ended up marrying somebody else and having kids with another woman. But,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I think that is a very important sort of aspect of their relationship. Like, I mean, Will is, you know, he is very small town, so he's very you know, mild-mannered, like, how would he handle that constant scrutiny that she is under as well? Mm -hmm. That was also, like, kind of the thing that I thought about when, like, we're talking about, like, oh, will the characters stay together? Like, I, again, am hopeful about it, but I also don't know. That dynamic that could be broken up, and also just, like, the way the press is, you know, like, with the whole rumors... About, like, you know, co-stars getting together with each other and all that stuff happening. Like, you know, mm-hmm. is, how is Will going to handle that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agree. Like, especially in 2020, there's a lot more things coming at you to tear a relationship apart, especially if you're married to a quote-unquote normal person. Yeah. If I were a celebrity, I think I might want to be with a fellow celebrity. Just because the lifestyles are so challenging, you might need a partner who completely understands what that's like. Right. Like, what do you come home to and talk about at the end of the day? It's like, oh, how is how is Susan at the
1: office doing?
0: Like, you know, like, <laughs> no, I don't think that's what happens. But...
1: but then again, like, maybe that's what she wanted. Because, I mean, again, like, to your point right. about, like, the whole brownie scene, like, I think that maybe is what she wants is that she doesn't want to talk about Hollywood, so... That may be what she
0: wants. Yeah. And I, I think that that either way, if you are a celebrity married to another celebrity, or if you're a celebrity married to not a celebrity, every relationship has its trials and tribulations. There's right. going to be conflict no matter what. But I think if you are two celebrities together, that's just heightened. Everything is right. just heightened. I mean, yeah. We don't need to psychoanalyze celebrity culture now. But like, right. yeah, this movie really did give me a peek into this, into this whole world. So for the characters staying together... You're right. Just because they're married and have a kid doesn't necessarily mean they'll stay together. Right. But I didn't think that far because I just expected them to stay together.
1: Because <laughs> you love this movie so much. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> I I really do. I have a deep love for this movie. And yeah, I mean, there is a world in which they don't stay together, obviously. You know, there's a lot of reasons why they wouldn't make it. But I think maybe Anna having been so shitty to William twice, I think, hopefully, that they now have the tools to reconcile that behavior a little bit faster. Yeah, maybe Anna will be a little bit more sensitive to William and his needs you know yeah
1: i mean i think yeah he's sort of seen like the i guess the quote-unquote ugly side of her with the temper and all that which i like how he sort of drops that and he's just like well you do have quite the temper but like Mm -hmm. he just sort Mm -hmm. of continues on so i mean i i think you're right though they do have the tools to sort of move past things but yeah i mean it's an interesting dynamic
0: yeah that's for sure um who's your favorite character
1: okay might be a surprise but I actually think my favorite characters, my characters, I will say, are Max and Bella, the, the two friends. Oh, okay. I love their relationship it's so nice like you know she had that horrible accident and he like carries her up the stairs and like it looks like there is like a rail there for doing like a chairlift thing but I don't know but like mm-hmm. he still carries her up anyway and then I thought the especially great part was right when they're all piling into his car to go to the drive to the hotel and he's like where's Bella and they're like oh she's staying by he's like oh fuck that and he like gets mm-hmm. out and makes everybody move and then picks her up and puts her in the car because he's like no you have to come and I'm like that's love right there he's like no she has to be here for this big climates part i'm not gonna just leave her behind even though it would be convenient too, because she has a wheelchair and all this stuff and like it doesn't matter she has to come so i i really liked that and i thought it was nice that you know they were a nice sort of stabilizing force in william's life because you know when he's going through that hard time they're trying to set him up on dates and and find other people for him and then you know they're having they're hosting the his sister's birthday party and it's just you know i thought they were they're just good people so i liked them the most
0: I agree with you. I really, really liked them as characters as well. I I think that they kind of ground William and their relationship is kind of what maybe what William aspires to have or be. Yeah. And yeah, it's just nice to be surrounded by people who are actually in love with each other and actually like are sweet to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the tender moments that they have while looking back at each other when... Bella says that she can't have kids anymore and that she's given up smoking at the brownie scene. You get this feeling from Max, who is just like, you know what? We're going to get through this together. Yeah. That's one of the big reasons why I like this movie. Like I've I've said a few times, it's just like William's friends are just such a nice group of people and they add so much more to the movie. Yeah. So my favorite character is very random as well. I think it's Martin, the bookshop.
1: Okay, I was like, don't say Spike. (laughs) No, it's not Spike. When you said random, I was like, please don't say Spike. I will crush you if you say Spike. (laughs) No,
0: no, definitely not Spike. Spike's pretty terrible, but he's the comic relief. But I think Martin is actually another form of comic relief in the movie. Yeah. He is just, he's fumbly too, but not like Hugh Grant fumbly him thinking Anna Scott is actually Demi Moore and that whole bit I just was laughing because it's in between like this really tender moment between William and Anna also it's just this nice like little zinger you're like oh gosh (laughs) yeah he's kind of yeah just a little surprise for me yeah do you have anything to add about character development
1: I was actually gonna have a surprise answer for this one in terms of who had the most character development My pick was going to be Spike because he's a total screw up and he is like the instigator of so much trouble. But at the end of the movie... He not only starts a relationship with Will's sister, but he's the hero. He's the one who goes out and literally stops traffic so Will can have yeah. his moment. And he's also surprisingly the voice of reason while they're all being supportive after he's telling <laughs> them about like how he turned her down. He literally goes in and says like, you're an idiot. You're a daft prick. Like, what the heck are you doing?
0: <laughs> you're a daft
1: prick. prick. I yeah. love
0: that. I, yeah. <laughs> I need to use that line in my everyday language.
1: It's hard to say that without a British accent, though. So I feel like without the British accent, it doesn't really carry the right amount of <laughs> Of, of, of weight of, of no weight. yeah for but, sure yeah but he's surprisingly my pick because yeah he, in pretty much every instance throughout the entire movie you're just like oh yeah he's terrible he's terrible and then suddenly he starts making these little steps and then by the end of the movie he's stopping traffic you're like well, oh, okay
0: yeah yeah that is a surprise pick but i like that yeah I, I didn't really think too deep about this one i just wrote anna without any other extra notes just because interesting okay it's not a fully formed thought, so I don't really want to speak out of turn. But like, the only reason I came to Anna is because I don't think William grows that much. There's not a whole lot of development. I think he yeah. stays quite true to himself. Yes. So by just deduction, I came up with Anna, if I'm talking about the main characters here. I mean, she apologizes, but I think that should be normal behavior.
1: Right. I don't know. So actually, this is something I probably should have mentioned, because I do remember thinking about this, but I guess I forgot to Mm. write write it down. This is one of the Mm -hmm. things that I did not like about the movie also, is they're pretty much like, it's kind of a struggle to find anybody who has development in this movie. Because most of the time, like, with the rom-com, like, somebody needs to improve or needs to change in order to, to like, you know, be worthy of, like, the relationship or, like, be ready for the relationship. And, like, Anna and, and Will are, like, the two candidates for that. But, like, I don't know how much they actually change. Like, Will, I guess, mm-hmm. becomes, like, a bit more courageous and he's willing to, like, put himself out there. And so I guess in that aspect, he develops. But through the course of the film, you don't really see... You don't really see any points where, like, baby steps to that point. Because, I mean, it's already big of him. It's already courageous of him to even go to the hotel, like, when she Mm -hmm. calls him and then, like, go through this entire process of, like, pretending to be a journalist and all that and thinking on his feet. Like, that's already pretty courageous. So I don't really view him, like, running to the hotel and doing the same thing as all that different. So I don't really know if you can consider that development. And then from Mm -hmm. Anna's perspective, like, she already sort of has craved, like, that normalcy. And so she's been striving for it and she... Kind of does stuff here and there to try to help with that. But I don't know if she really changes a lot. much. I mean, she has the big gesture of like giving the painting as a gift in that whole speech, which is great. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that really shows any real growth on her part either.
0: (laughs) These are very good points, which is maybe why I struggled with this answer myself is because I don't think William does, which is why I kind of just defaulted to Anna, but then I didn't have anything to add about Anna either. I'm glad that you you thought this through because yeah, everything you said just makes a complete sense. So I mean, maybe we'll just say Spike is the one that has the most character development.
1: Because I think by process of elimination, I was like, really, the only person who changed in terms of their character and did something different was Spike, because he was a screw up the entire way except for the end. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: No, I, I really like that perspective. That brings a lot of clarity for me, too. Do you have any thoughts on the the music or the soundtrack of this film?
1: I was thinking about it. And I actually don't think I had ever heard Elvis Costello before this movie. And so that was a nice sort of like thing. And then you think about it, you're like, oh, his music is totally perfect for a rom-com because it's very sort of, you know, lovey-dovey. And it makes sense, like, with his voice and everything. So, yeah, I think this is the first time I'd heard Elvis Costello. And then mm. the other funny part was I couldn't remember why or I guess when and why I started liking this song, but Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry is the song in the trailer for this movie. And I think that might've been like one of the first times I heard that song, which I, it's one of my favorite songs. Okay. So because of that, I was like, oh, those are two interesting firsts for me. But yeah, those that's yeah. my thoughts on the music.
0: It's also something to be said about we were in our teens when this movie came out. And yes. When you're a teen, it's also like formative music age too. Yeah. So yeah, I, I really liked the soundtrack. I think- Uh, When this movie came out, I probably downloaded the soundtrack. I listened to it on repeat. Like Elvis Costello, Bill Withers, I think like, yeah, I I think this might be like the first time I I heard him in like, in this kind of context. And then Shania Twain is in it, (laughs) which, you know. eh. She
1: was the queen of the 90s, man. So of course she's in it. Right.
0: Yeah. And Al Green's in here. Like, yeah, it's just a very fun, I will say classic soundtrack. Yeah. Strong love for this soundtrack. And then... Didn't, I'm realizing I didn't write my own answer to this question, so <laughs> I'm putting myself on the spot here. Why is this movie so beloved? you giving it a 7.5, and you've seen this three times, so I wouldn't count this as a hugely beloved movie in your eyes. But yes. what are your thoughts on like this film being beloved and if it has longevity?
1: I mean, uh, I think uh, when I was doing my research on it, I was, actually didn't realize it was the, like, the highest grossing British film at the time when it was released Mm -hmm. yeah it was the highest grossing British film of all time so obviously gives it some longevity Mm -hmm. but I think ultimately it's because Julia Roberts Hugh Grant they're still working they're still great they've been in a plenty good films obviously after this Julia Roberts went on to win the Oscar for Aaron Brockovich but she was in all the you know the Ocean's Eleven movies and stuff like that but she's been like an iconic actress and so I think that also helps it and also because she has done so much in the rom-com space that I think because this film was so well-received, it has some legs in terms of longevity. And then Hugh Grant too, because he also was pretty big in the, in the, the rom-com space. Because I think this movie was After Nine Months, which is another movie that I had watched where he also plays the bumbling guy. Yep. But yeah, I mean, he had kind of found his niche, you know, very popular at the time for that. But... Yeah, I mean, I think that is why it is so popular. But I am curious to see why you think it's so beloved, since you obviously love it so much.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Julia Roberts, Q. Grant, big stars back then, still quite big stars today, even though they're not as like, we don't see them in a whole lot of projects. Right. I was looking at the box office number. It's a monster hit. $364 million worldwide. Yeah. I mean, at the time, obviously, Julia Roberts had the huge star power. I think it's a classic tale, to be honest with you. I think maybe a lot of people fantasize about this playing out and maybe in their own real lives. And, you know, I obviously am one of them. So I think in that sense, it's quite beloved. And I was um, watching something or reading something and I don't think this story has been in this way before i think maybe lesser films have have tried to tell this story mm-hmm. but it's such a simple plot if you think about it right yeah so it's a little surprising that i guess a the story has not been told before in a well in a well-done way and b i think it's also like a story that people continue to be fascinated by so i think for me that's why it has longevity and why it's so beloved it's just the people in it and the story itself yeah And also, I think it's aged quite well. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that there are any glaring things that make it a reason for this movie to be cancelled in 2020.
1: No, I mean, I don't think there's anything that needs to be redone from, yeah, I guess, like, cancelled from, like, a weird perspective in terms of anything that's offensive. Mm -hmm. Like, the only thing that if it were made today and, like, done differently, I think would be just, like, the social media aspect. Like, there's no way that... Anna would be in Notting Hill and nobody would spot her or tweet about it or something like that. Like people would just be tracking her way more easily and they would know exactly where she was. For sure. So I think that's the only real difference. But yeah, I think it's it's aged decently well. I think it's a pretty classic like 90s rom-com and in terms of like yeah, there's nothing that really, there are no glaring changes that need to be made.
0: Yeah. It would be really interesting. I could totally see this kind of happening in 2020 in the sense that I maybe there will be a story, a rom-com that comes out with 2020 issues yes. of like 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 a normal person falling in love with a a celebrity, but I don't know if it would be that interesting to be honest with you because social media kind of has messed things up and the innocence of that kind of budding relationship would be torn apart. I think all I could think about was if this were to happen in 2020, I think people would be digging into William's history, too. Yes. People would try to find dirt on him. Like, who is the woman that left him? Because he was previously married uh, and
1: divorced.
0: Yeah, it, it just wouldn't be as warm-hearted, I think, and so simple. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, because I don't know if William would even have any dirt because he just seems like such a regular (laughs) dude that doesn't do much, like, unless he has, like, offensive tweets or something like that. Sure, sure. (laughs) He also doesn't strike me as the type who would even be on Twitter. Right. I guess the other point I was thinking about when I was doing research, people had compared this to uh, Roman Holiday. I guess at the time, a modern telling of, like, Roman Holiday. I don't know if you've seen that movie, the one with Audrey Hepburn. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love that movie.
1: There is that. But yeah, in terms of, I guess, yeah, modern day thing, like, yeah, I don't think there's anything necessarily like
0: right yeah so a few points of trivia yes richard curtis who's the writer who has written many other famous rom-coms he used to own the Notting hill house with the blue door Ah, the scene where bernie asks anna how much money she made in her last film and she says 15 million dollars 15 million dollars is actually the amount that julia roberts received from playing anna scott in this movie oh man (laughs) anna never says william's name in the movie she just calls him floppy or flopsy
1: Oh, that's, oh, I guess I didn't think about that, but that's totally true.
0: (laughs) Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah. Julia Roberts was the first choice to play Anna. I think that was a really well done casting decision.
1: Yeah, I do remember reading about how she read the script and said it was like the best rom-com she'd ever read. So she had to do it.
0: Yeah. And the Chagall painting, which is called The Bride in English, I'm not going to try to (laughs) say it in French. The producers of the movie agreed to destroy the Chagall painting after filming, because the owners of the real painting thought that if the fake was too good, it would somehow land up in the art market and then like things would happen. So they had to destroy the fake Chagall. And then the worth of that painting is apparently 500000 to $1 million.
1: That's intense. I think it's hilarious. They had to make sure the fake didn't go out anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you could never be too careful.
1: No, I guess not.
0: But I think that's all the trivia I have. Um, do you have any last takes?
1: I did enjoy watching it again. I was reminded of, like, why I liked Julia Roberts so much in this movie. (laughs) Though I'm thinking about it now, like, from from an adult perspective, I'm like, there are parts of her personality that are messed up. I guess as a kid, I was sort of blinded, like Will was, by, like, oh, she's a celebrity, and so it's Mm -hmm. great, and she's pretty. And so I'm not thinking as much about, I guess, all the things, but... Yeah, so it's interesting to sort of look at it as an adult now and notice more things.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an interesting take to watch it now. Um, You kind of poke holes, obviously, in more things and you can recognize, oh, this would totally never work in a real world relationship. This is not how real people think about certain things. But I do think this movie is really classic i think it holds up you know julie roberts like i said this is my favorite film of hers i think she's so good in it my my take is that i just like love how english this movie is the you daft prick thing is just really fun for me and then william always asking anna if she wants a cup of tea and she's like no i don't want a cup of tea like <laughs> william thinking like this is magically going to change things i think this is a very english thing it's just to always ask if the other person wants a cup of tea
1: it is a very british thing Everything is solved by tea.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that wraps it up. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Of course. I really
1: appreciate it. Of course. I was happy to, to watch it again. Look forward to more rom-coms. Absolutely.
0: To all tuning in, thank you so much for listening to another episode of RomCom Weekly. You can follow us on Instagram at rom Weekly, and you can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please let us know what you think of Notting Hill. And we'll chat with you guys again next week. Bye.